How are we today, everybody? I'm your host, Tyler Coe. Welcome to my mental health show. Remember that you can watch the recorded version of this show on YouTube as well as listen on Spotify, iTunes, and all your other favorite audio platforms. We do the show live each Monday on Twitch at 7 p.m. Central. Uh, and as I kind of said in the pre-stream, um, forewarning, tonight's show might be a little heavy because our topics uh, kind of go hand in hand. It's a double whammy, if you will. Grief in the holidays. Tale as old as time. But luckily, our guest that we're having on tonight is one of the funniest people that I know. Uh, so they're going to help us get through it. Um, and as we wind down our year, you know, no matter where we are on the globe, these are some of the toughest weeks that a lot of people go through. And the holidays bring out so many different emotions, triggering moments. Um, it ramps up our anxiety. Uh, it exacerbates our afflictions. And it's not just say so. Um, according to studies done by NAMI, uh, a whopping 64% of people with a mental illness report that the holidays make it worse, which, I mean, yeah, I think we all kind of know that, but that's still a striking number. Um, and I think mainly it's because it boxes us in the corners that we don't want to be in, right? We have to force happiness for our family members that we're seeing. We have certain family members that may have caused us trauma or certain events. Um, that give us anxiety. We have to travel. We have to deal with lines. We have to deal with people. And our brains automatically go into defense mode, right? And it also brings out memories. It's a time to reminisce, especially for things that we miss, uh, things that we've lost. You know, we're reminiscing about the painful times instead of the happy ones, usually around the holidays. And a big part of that is grief, because that's when grief then comes into play. And if you've lost this year or recently, um, you know you'll be thinking about it. You're going to be thinking about them, you know, whoever or whatever it was. It's going to be there, and that's kind of the unfortunate thing about grief is that even though the sting can lessen over the years, um, it's always going to be there. And it's so hard to deal with it when it's just you, right, like that sadness raining down on your world, but, you know, nobody else. And this is a time where we see people out on the streets with their loved ones, they're just swimming in that holiday bliss, right? And we're not okay. And it's like you just want to escape, right? You just want to start walking, no direction or destination mind. You just got to get out of there. You can't breathe. God, I hate this. And now I understand that, like, that's not everyone, right? Some people really love the holidays. Um, this is your favorite time of year. So if it is, it's your job as a good human being to give back and reach out to that person that you haven't talked to in a while. Hit up somebody that really could use some love and just shoot them a text. Give them a quick phone call. Say, hey, just thinking about you. doesn't have to be anything big. You should just let them know. And it can make a huge difference, obviously, in somebody's life. And one of the people that has made a difference in my life, which this is a good lesson, okay? Because you never know who's watching or who's listening. And I don't know if this person, uh, before I met them, knew this, but they were a big influence on my life. Uh, and our guest tonight is Deb O'Keefe. Um, radio extraordinaire, comedic genius, social uh, cause warrior. I mean, she's just a great human being. And she's British. And she's the first British person we've had on the show. So for everybody in the Commonwealth, there you go. Finally hooking it up. Um, and she's been a staple in the Austin community forever. She was host of Hands Down, the funniest show, best radio show in Austin, Texas, the Jason and Deb show that was on 101X. Um, and I was a religious listener. She was somebody that I wanted to be like. She was a big reason of why I got into radio because I wanted to do what she did, which is connect. She is a connector. 
And people that are able to say what you're thinking in that moment and feel the way that you want to feel, you know, they feel the same way that make you laugh. Like those are special, special people. It's rare to find those. Uh, and somebody that cares so deeply about life, human and animal uh, alike, which we're definitely going to be getting into. Um, and she's an individual that's seen a thing or two. She knows trauma. She knows challenge. She's been dealt a few hard hands. And it's so important to hear those stories. Obviously, you guys know that that's why we have our guests on the show. Um, so she recently started a new podcast called the Deb O'Keefe Podcast with Hot Pie Media, which has some amazing episodes with guests that are way, way, way bigger than me. So it was an honor to just even be on her show. She's had like Doug Benson and Ginny Johnson on her show. Um, so I had the pleasure of being on it recently, and I am so honored to have her on ours. So without further ado, let's go ahead and welcome in our guest, Deb O'Keefe. Deb, how are you today? Oh my God. What? What was that? What was what? <gasps> You've always got me in tears and we haven't even started talking. <laughs> what did you just say about me? You're, I, I told the truth. That's what I do on this show. I, I hit people with the truth, my friend. That's what I do. Um, and you're, you're such a... No, listen. I'm what? the one what? that's supposed to fuck up with the truth, all right? That's what I always say. I'm going to fuck you up with some truth right now. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> I'm a little bit voice broken. Uh, I'm a little bit... Someone's cutting onions in here. That was... Wow. That was just... I was not expecting that. I was like, and his Deb. That's what I was expecting you to say. Uh, Tyler, thank you so much. I, wow. Well, you know. Definitely at this second. Well, here, we'll lighten it up. All right. So, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about the holidays and we're going to, you know, we're going to, you know, talk about grief as well. But are you a holiday person? Like, are you pro-holiday, anti-holiday? Like, what, what's your jive with it? Oh God, uh, it's, I don't know where it came from, but where, so I, I grew up in England, obviously, as you said, I'm your first British guest. Thank you. Um, racialist. Why haven't you had more English or British people? But that's fine. We can talk about that later. We're fine. We're 10 a penny. We can find you many of us idiots. Um, but growing up in, maybe it was my home, my specific family, where I was from, I don't know. In my in my family, when it came around to Christmas, um, and of course we don't have Thanksgiving. And trust me, I've had more Americans or more people ask me, "What do you guys do for Thanksgiving?" Than not. So. Well, we don't you guys have, have like don't you have like Boxing Day? Isn't that around the same time, or is I am I making that up? No, Boxing Day is the day after Christmas. Okay. Um, so, but we don't really call that the holiday. So boxing, okay, Boxing Day, we'll just cover that quickly. Boxing Day is funny because Boxing Day in our family was when you go and see your divorced parent. So whomever has primary custody gets the kids on Christmas. Whoever has secondary Christmas gets them on Boxing Day. Or if your parents are actually still together, then that's when you go and see Nana and Granddad or whomever. So, gotcha. but I think Boxing Day... I don't know. When we were kids, I think we thought it was about a boxing match. I don't know. You, you, you don't get taught that. But I think we'll have the fact-checking department check on this. Alfie, my dog, get on this right now. Uh, I think it was when there were lords and serfs and 
after Christmas Day, the rich lords and ladies would box up the leftovers and take them to the peasants. That might even be an urban legend that I read about. But anyway, Boxing Day was just in England, Great Britain, and I think the Commonwealth. uh, It's just you get two days off for Christmas. So if Christmas is on a Wednesday, you get Christmas Day, you get Boxing Day, you usually get Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then actually most Christmas holidays, there is a, a bank holiday Monday following Christmas Day. So to, to give working folk more than just one day off, um, it carries or it flows and a um, little bit more extra public holidays than in the States. Gotcha. Um, I mean, that, that, so that checks, checks out. Yeah. So it was just really a bit more of a, you know, like that's when you go over to your dad's house. Uh, but when it came to Christmas at my house, it was, uh, the tree went up two weeks before and then came down two weeks after Christmas. And I was just always so excited about Christmas and the tree and the stuff and the singing. And, um, my dad was Catholic. My mum wasn't, uh, isn't. Um, so I went to Catholic schools which I didn't like. I was, I realized very early on, I didn't believe in religion, organized religion. Um, but I loved Christmas carols. I loved singing and the pageantry. And I was always an actor and always in the school plays and on stage productions and singing and just loved it all. So the whole pageantry, I think of Christmas minus the religious aspect aspect was really fun for me. Um, but decorating the tree was my thing. So the tree came down, on my behest, because my mum was like, oh, fucking Christmas. Actually, my mum has never said the F word. She is a goddamn saint. Um, <laughs> but I would be like, I'm in the attic, going up to the attic. I'd pull the thing down. I'd get up there. I'd be like, someone catch the thing. I'm throwing the tree down. We've got the boxes of decorations, and, I, and no one else cared. So I was the one that decorated it. So hence, years following, I've always loved the decorating of the tree, having Christmas music on all throughout Christmas. Um, and not all, I'm a bit snobby about my Christmas music, but, and, and obviously I'm, I'm an old lady now. And so Christmas traditions have changed. I don't get to spend every Christmas with my family. I've actually realized Christmas with my mum is really boring because she hates Christmas. And I just basically tried to like force Christmas on her all my growing years. And so, um, now when I go to her house, it's really dull at Christmas. So I, I try not to, and there's no diss on her. It's just not her thing. Um, so yeah, I, lo- I do love Christmas, but I used to be really, really emotionally attached to my family and Christmas. And having lived in the States for 20 plus years, um, I think I used to put it on a pedestal and um, really sort of not idealize Christmas but um idealize Christmas maybe of what I wanted it to be and I think anytime you do that in any way shape or form in your life when it comes to relationships or situations you just you're generally going to be disappointed so I think I've led a pretty long consistent life of having really high expectations for things like that and then being let down and maybe as an optimist that's my fault. I should have lowered my expectations. Uh, 
so as to not have maybe some sad Christmases that I have had. But I think in the last several years, I've managed to, or I've realized that I need to manage those expectations of what I would love about Christmas or holidays or family get togethers or relationships even like seriously, even my closest relationship, like with my mum, I've learned in the last year or two how to manage my expectations so I'm not setting her up to fail because my expectations are, are things that she can't reach because she just isn't there or I'm expecting too much. And so um, it's a really interesting question and I know it's timely for where we are in, in the calendar year, but it is something to think about a lot, I think, and it really helps if you're a sensitive person. And I think maybe... Maybe I'm generalizing, Tyler, step in if you want, but I don't know. I, it's my small opinion that those who are sensitive, and I use that in a positive way, because I've been told I'm too sensitive and I've had that thrown at me as a barb, you know, as a negative or as right. an insult. But those of us who are sensitive, I think we are best tool for managing that or for being prepared to be sensitive when most people aren't sensitive in the world is to try and manage our expectations. And that sounds really harsh because why shouldn't we able to, why shouldn't we be able to live life our sensitive souls that we are? Um, I think we should be able to, but in reality we have to temper our expectations and not, tell ourselves we're going to be let down but maybe say we're hoping for the best all the time where other people are just saying we're fine with the minimum i don't know is that i don't want to be too pessimistic on this thing but i think that's my journey a part of my journey i hate that word fucking hate that word journey <laughs> but it's apropos uh is that in order to not consistently feel let down or be let down is to just lower your expectations a little bit i hate i hate saying that but it's helped me a lot well no i think it's right i think when you're talking i think the key thing you said was like managing expectations right of like um knowing going into a situation no matter what it is like is it you know if it's you know like you said relationships with the holidays or going home for christmas or whatnot um, knowing like, hey, this could be a triggering moment for me, or this is going to be hard for me to deal with. I don't think it's it, it, those do have negative connotations, right? Like being sensitive, lower your expectations. But I think if you're dealing with a mental illness, or if you have something that's going on, it is a good thing to do. Like that is a extremely helpful step. Like, you know, therapists will tell you that, like, especially during the holidays, like, it sucks not to be able to get your hopes up. But like, I know for Thanksgiving, I already know this week, it's like, I'm seeing some family members that are going to just, it's just going to be the thing, right? It's going to be the thing. And I know that going yeah. in, so it's going to be okay. Like, I, I have to tell myself that. I think it, it like, kind of prepare, prepares you for battle, right? Like, if you don't, yeah. if you go into a blind, it's going to be tough. Because some people are just, you know, rose-colored glasses. They can, they can manage it. For the rest of us, which I think we're quite normal, uh, we do need that defense system. Yeah, it's funny. I, uh... <clears throat> I have a, my next door neighbor, um, she has a, a PhD student that lives in their back house and we became good friends and she comes over and I let her do laundry 
at my house and she came over today and um, <clears throat> she talked about going to her family thing this week and she just looked at me and she was like, and I'm like, oh, she goes, yeah, my brother and mom aren't talking and I'm like the middle child, so I'm in the middle. Yeah, it, it's just like, oh God, yep. you know, it don't think it matters where you are, who you are, what country you're from, what language you speak, what religion you are, there's, unless you're goddamn blessed, there's always gonna be some level of that in your family. And I think um, as much as you either wanna stick your head in the sand and ignore it or like deal with it head on, that I think unless it's gonna get fixed by either one of those two things, you have to find that happy medium and get through the day uh, or don't go, send a note, say I have COVID. That's, yeah, exactly. I, I, you know, I could have played that card like a couple weeks ago. Like I wish I, I lined up my COVID illness when it should have been this week because I would have had the, the prime excuse and I wouldn't have felt guilty about it. Been like, yeah, I just, I can't guys. I can't get anybody sick. I guess I'm gonna have to miss Thanksgiving. What a shame. Um, so, so you actually just got COVID. I just got COVID despite being fully vaxxed and fully masked. And you and I talked about this at length on your show uh, when I was on about doing the right things and socially distancing and I still got it. And it's like crazy and it, it kicked my ass. Like it's still kind of kicking my ass. I'm like a little foggy. Um, <laughs> actually, the last guest I had on the show, Deb, uh, we were kind of like talking before the show, like you and I like switching numbers and whatnot. And she's like, hey, send me your number. Um, Cause she had just sent me hers via email and I was so foggy that I looked at her number in the email and then I'm like, yeah, that's my number. And then I sent her back her phone number and she sent me an email back being like, what? <laughs> and I was like, do I need, to, I need to send somebody to check on you? <laughs> I guarantee you she's never had that happen in her life. I might be the first person to ever fucking do that. Like on purpose. <laughs> like, well, um, it does, it gets you in so like like and, and it gets you in so many ways and then it gets you in ways that you've never heard of uh and then you find new things that are oh that's covid i i mean i haven't had it but i had my booster on friday so just a few days ago oh nice and oh no not nice no, i not got nice. i got covid this weekend i gave myself covid this weekend and it was two and a half days of fucking shit. So I can't imagine, am I allowed to swear on this? I'm you so sorry. You absolutely are. I'm really sorry if there are minors or non-swearers. I'm a horrible potty mouth person with a nice heart. Um, but I, no, I, I, I really terribly feel for you. You had it for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was definitely a bummer. And like, you know, one of the things we talked about, and I, I, I don't have to rehash it too much for uh, my audience because I kind of already know, and I, I kind of talked about this on your show, um, which actually this might be a good segue into the thing I was going to ask you next, is that I, I unfortunately had to miss um, somebody who was very close to me. I had to miss their funeral that I was looking forward to, which is not a cool thing. Like, it's a weird thing to say, I'm looking forward to the funeral, um, but I didn't get to go. And so I didn't get that closure. So I'm still trying to process that. And it's kind of one of those no. things that goes into it when it's when it's grief, right? Of like, I'm still in grief. Like, how the hell do I process it? And, you know, something I know that- Your uh, yours, like somebody our age, like- uh, Yeah, uh, my therapist. Uh, so she was- 44 oh, i believe so like it's a, and it's a weird thing um 
and what I've told people that's that's unique about it is like nobody else in my life knows her because it's kind of one of those things like if you have a family member die or a friend of a friend like you know people know them but as far as in my world nobody knows um and I know that you had gone through something a couple of years ago where it's kind of similar in that regard is that um you lost your dog and that's a very like one-on-one -on -one personal thing right and other people are sympathetic to that but they they don't know right and like that's such a tough thing to go through um and i know that i mean blue was one of the most famous dogs if not the most famous dog in austin texas like who didn't know who blue was but um i'd love for you to kind of talk about that because that's something that you kind of knew going in was going to happen but then still processing that i don't think we can get enough advice from people that have gone through grief and have tried to manage it of how the hell do we well, firstly, uh, I'd like to say I'm so, so sorry um, for your loss and the, the, the family and friends loss of your therapist. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that you're right. In your peer group, um, if, if a peer dies, a friend, a you know, colleague, you can all sit around and go, they were great. I miss this. Uh, but you have this anonymous group of people that, that knew this person and loved them the way you did. And now, again, you have no closure. I'm sure there might be somewhere... In the future, you could find some of these other folk that might want to talk, but they'll never have that relationship that you and that person had. So I, I, I send my heart to you, and that's awful. And I especially that. to have that. Um, and I know the close bond you have with therapists. It's they know they you know each other. Well, they know you. You know, I say you know each other. You don't know shit about them. You know the name, right? <laughs> and how they treat you. Um, but no, that is, it's special and it's very, very hard and, um, that's horrible. Uh, I hope you figure something out with that, um, soon for you. Well, it's, you know, um, I mean, kind of like, you know, uh, it's one of those things, like one of the things I'm curious about to hear from you, uh, is like where we go during grief, because like, it's the one thing that universally, like all of us accept the fact that y'all do it differently. Like everybody does it differently. And for me, I go to hard, hardcore Deb, dark humor. Like that's where I go. Um, I actually saw a video. I know, that, like a lot of people have probably seen this. Maybe you have, but like Mike Berbiglia, Mike Berbiglia, Jesus, what a hard last name to say. Who's so funny? He was doing a podcast with Bill Hader, and it, they were kind of talking about what we're talking about as far as like grief and death and loss. And Mike had come up with a joke, and he said, "Sometimes your life is like a movie. Uh, somebody close to you dies, and it's crushing." But then you think, well, they weren't the protagonist. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that I, hits me uh, in the feels, and that makes me feel better about my situation to like say that out loud. I think, I think you know, one of the things that we're blessed with, if this happens to you in your world, or has happened, or is happening to you in your world, that you find a group of peers that you can just. Um, joke about something that is so raw and so awful and then have that you know that knowledge or that wink that look or even just the, the nothing that you all agree on that that was really harsh what we just said but that's funny we don't have to hug and kiss on it and i think maybe it's because i i grew up with i've got two brothers and two stepbrothers um i've worked in an all male industry my entire life and um that's how a lot of men deflect pain and grief and suffering is with humor. And so if that's the way we can handle it with our male friends and peers, then 
then all right, that's better than nothing. Um, but I don't know. I don't think I did it with you. But for my the, the biggest loss in my life, probably. Okay, here I'm going to be a dick. Maybe my dad, but maybe Blue was worse on me than my dad dying because Blue was my boy. Um, love you, Dad. R.I.P. John. Um, but uh, I think it's easier for a lot of men maybe to just joke things away. But uh, if if you remember on my podcast in my studio, my set, Tyler, there's a, there's a little screen, TV screen, and I got my pig dog who's asleep right now. He looks like a guppy right now. He's going to look at you and go, hmm. Say hi to oh, everyone. my viewers are loving that. There we go. Come here, pig. He's sleeping. He's like, what? Hi. I'm very tired. He's such a cutie. That dog is awesome. And you might be out here. I'm snoring with him. Okay, go lay back down. Okay, bye. Yeah. So there's a there's a video screen of Alfie, Alpp, pig dog. Um, but then. There's a big giant painting um, behind my camera shot by this local artist called Sherwin and he's fucking amazing and he gifted me this picture of my dog Blue. And so whenever I have a guest who's I'm not too familiar with or they don't know everything about me, they'll sit down, they'll look at, oh, there's dogs around here. I'm like, yeah, that's Blue Boy. He's dead. And um, that's so harsh, right? <laughs> it's, hard. it's harsh when it comes out. When you say it's so like, just like just just like a throwaway line right yeah the other day i had someone in the studio i was like yeah he's dead uh he's been dead i'm gonna look at my phone i'll go i'll go yeah look he's still he's still on my phone uh he's been dead for three years i have two other dogs uh right now but this dead dog is still on my phone because he's better than both of them put together um and like obviously i'm so i'm like fucking around but am i because like, <laughs> would I have all of my current pets murdered right now if I could still have Blue Boy? Mm. Terrible thing to say. But uh, I get it. I think that's I think that's a normal thing. Like I hands down would trade some people to get my therapist back. Like hands down. Like I get it. I think that's a normal reaction. Certainly not. That's Blue Boy right there. But, oh mm. wait, wrong. Way. I'm never. See that, that? That's Blue Boy right there. He's a good boy. Dead. And, um, yeah, so dealing with his grief, uh, my grief. Does he have grief? He's dead. He has no grief. But I have grief. Uh, still have grief. I, um, it's, honestly, it's, it's, at this point in my life, it's better now than I think I thought it would have been before he died. No, it is definitely. I'm better. Oh, there's a, there's an ambulance going by. I'm so sorry. There might be howling. That's okay. Let's hope somebody's not dead on the ambulance. She about she about to go. She about to go. I'll just, no, it's okay. You're all right. It's fine. No, you're okay. <laughs> I left windows open, Tyler. I'm so professional. No, it's okay. Back. Hey, you're. you're... <laughs> <laughs> Huh? <laughs> 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 
Oh, that's the best thing that's ever happened on this show. That was fucking amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. Alfie does like the most lazy. I'll help you. <laughs> we all had a moment right there. We were a little, we had, we had to get that out of our system. So I understand. It's fine. It's fine. You know what it is, is that uh, Brady knew I really wanted to bang a fireman this year. So she's been on a mission to help as many fire engines get to their fires as possible. That's good. And then they'd be grateful to me. Yeah. So. I mean, that's a, that's a good dog right there. They're trying to help their master get laid. So there you go. Um, he was a cadet. Actually, he was a cadet. He wasn't even a fireman. So I'm ready for legit fireman. Um, <laughs> all right, back to the real question. Um, well, as far as grief with blue goes, my grief in my head was way worse than the actual grief um, that ever manifested. Um, it, it's hard to put into words. But I, um, I think it was, what brought it all on? I don't know. I had a really bad car accident several years before Blue, actually just a few years after I, I had Blue, uh, like I gave birth to him. Um, and, uh, and I had a really bad head injury and I got anxiety and panic attacks and then subsequent depression and some blah, 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 bullshit stuff. Um, but a lot of it, a lot of my um, alone time was with just blue, and um, so I stupidly I look back on it now and I think I I I, I used my poor dog or lent on my poor dog way more than I should have um, because he was a very very sensitive being just like me. He was a pit bull type dog and they're just so attuned. They're so sensitive and they're so loyal and they're so loving. And I think that the poor guy picked up on a lot of my emotions and therefore got anxiety, separation anxiety and, you know, other issues like me. And um, so that in turn made me worry about him more. And then um, the amount of time that you know I'm away from my family living in the states and um and then super high stress job and um career anxiety and employment anxiety in the radio world I just really clung on to blue um and then the worst part of blue being dead was two years before he even died two two plus years before he even got sick um and Blue died of cancer. I, I killed him. I killed him actually right behind where the computer is, right on the floor there. I had I paid someone to come and kill. I was a hit woman, really. I just had this hit woman come around and um, in front of all my friends and family. So it was witnesses. So it obviously wasn't me that right. did it. Naturally. Yeah. You have, you have a, what do they call them? A Nancy? Is it a Nancy? I don't know what the word is. A Nancy? Nancy. Like a notary for right. death? No, like uh, the what? It's okay. Wrong, wrong slang word for killer. Like you, you set someone up for something, and that it's not Nancy. All right, I'm not good on like '90s, '40s American slang of hitman. A Nancy? I've never heard that. I've heard it's just hitman, assassin, a patsy, no, like a, a patsy. Patsy. <laughs> Next to our oh, chat. 
that's what I knew. So my Patsy, she, her name was Dr. Patricia. Anyway, no, I don't know. But she came, she put him down. He had cancer. It was everywhere. I tried for months. All the stuff, everything. And then I had to have his fucking leg cut off. He was a fucking tripod because he'd broken his ankle because it had fucking hemosarcoma in it or that's not even the right word. I don't know. Months of awfulness. But before all that, I was having a hard time at work. I'd had uh, just a few things in a row just this one week. And everyone, everybody has this week where a client's upset. You mess up something. You drop the ball on something. It was, it was quite, all of them were quite rote. But together, it, it, with my fragile state at that point in time, for whatever reason, I just started spiraling. You know, these this one thing could be bad, this other thing could be bad, but these three things. And then just always thinking about blue and then thinking about these things without blue. Um, I just thought, I, I, there's no way I could do this without blue. There's no way I could handle these things if he wasn't here. And um, if he's, and then it just goes beyond those three things. And sorry if I get a bit tearful, I should not, because it's done. But I just thought, even without these things, how, how can I handle anything without him? Without my best guy, my heart, my soul, like, that's it. There's, I can't. And at that point, and I hadn't ever thought this way or ever acted on anything, but um, I thought, I, I don't want to live without him. That's it. I've made my mind up. If he goes, I go. And that was it. That was like a thing in my head. If he goes, I go. That's it. That was it. That was done. And I decided that. Um, and I don't remember what exactly the next impetus of it becoming even bigger than that, but something happened that, that propelled me to call a friend. Uh, and I remember I was in the room behind me, which is a nonsense room. We call it the fat hallway. Uh, it's like a room that leads to a room, but that has no purpose. Um, I don't live in a cavernous house. It's just a stupid room. But um, I was in the fat hallway and I just remember being on the floor, like not wanting to be here anymore, but I knew I couldn't because Blue was still here. Like it was, it was just the weirdest thing. And I, I called one of my best friends, Brandy, and she answered and I just bleh, 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 crying hysterical. And she came over and literally and figuratively scooped me off of the floor, took me into the bedroom put me in bed and stayed with me. And I don't remember how long she was with me. And it wasn't just like she put me to bed and left, but she stayed with me and helped me get calm. And um, and I realized that I couldn't be thinking like that. I couldn't be acting like that. As much as I loved Blue like that, I had to, even if I didn't really, really believe it, I had to try and think that there might be somebody that thinks about me like that, like my mom or 
my brother or my other friends. And as much as, you know, I'm so far away from my family and have a very small group of friends, um, I had to t believe that somebody felt that way for me. And because they do, obviously, somebody feels that way for you right now, for anybody listening and watching. There is somebody that loves you more than you fucking know. And as much as, um, even since then, I've had those moments. That is the worst moment that I've ever had. I mean, that was the definitive moment. Like, my mind was made up. Um, but I've had other moments. I've had to even lie to myself to say that if I was gone by my own means, that would break someone's fucking heart. That would, that might kill someone else. And I can't be responsible for that. Um, as miserable as I was and as broken and as unrealistic and like really wrong thinking, as right as it seems in that moment. Even if you don't believe that there is somebody that loves you that much. There really is. There really, really is. And it might even just be a fucking stranger one day. You're fucking lovable and you're worth it. And um, I loved that dog. And it's so silly if you have never had a dog or somebody that you've loved that much. Um, I loved him like I don't think I'll ever love anyone ever again and and I have pig dog not that I wouldn't kill for him listen to him do you hear him I can't quite hear his his he's so sleepy though <laughs> you're such a good pig yeah I mean I do oh, I can't say I don't love him as much as I do blue they're just different right but I wouldn't have him without blue. So everything leads to something else. And if I hadn't stuck around to take care of blue and stuck around after blue, I wouldn't have been, at, he's a rescue. I wouldn't buy a fucking French bulldog. They're stupid. All right. Stupid. They're not stupid. They are stupid. And everything's everything is stupid. But I wouldn't have had him and I wouldn't have been able to take care of him and get him out of a, a, a situation that wasn't right for him and then Brady who's asleep over there I'll turn the camera around but it's bad cameramanship and then the, the cats that are around here and um, and maybe even the fosters that I've had in between like so many fosters and um, maybe even helped somebody through talking about how just devastated I was pre-devastated I was about Blue's death um, and maybe uh I was able to handle having Dr. Patsy come in and kill my dog for me in my living room in front of my whole family and friends. Um, my One of my best friends, eight-year-old son, walked around with a tray of hors d'oeuvres because he had said he wanted to come and say goodbye to Blue. Oh. This, is, this is fucking unreal. Like, wokeness from children. He grew up with Blue since before he could even talk. Blue was his best friend and when he knew it was time for Blue to go he said I want to be there and me and his mum were like wow you're gonna see your best friend the light from his eyes go and he was like no I have to be there 
And I'm like, my God, is this why we take death and pain so hard is that we were kept from it from an early age? Or I don't know, maybe he's just this woke, wokest fucking kid ever, but um, he was mature and kind and loving and cared about everyone in the room and wanted to see and wanted to be involved and I'm pretty sure he's not a fucking serial killer planning his next victim or anything but he um it was weirdly amazing to have a child there as well as you know everyone who loved blue so I don't know I think um I have many pieces of info I could pass on to people who are maybe preparing for grief I don't know about with people I've never had to prepare for a death of a person um you know hopefully that never comes or hopefully it does maybe it's easier with a parent maybe to know and to plan and to have those conversations or those experiences um but most especially for a pet um a loved one, like a family member like that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, those stupid things like bucket list shit. Yeah, do that for your dog, do that for your cat, do that for your experiences. It sounds stupid, but I think it might be lovely. It might make you feel that you've done them right. Um, preparation. I got a cat about Four months before Blue even got sick, I didn't know he was ill, but I just, like I said, I fucking broke down two years before he was sick and thought, all right, this has to be part of my, I, I can't come home to an empty house. There might be another human being here, but if there's not a warm animal. So I, I did, I got a cat and he was the best fucking cat. Joint a second with Guinness and Sid, but up there, like way up there. Um, that, that was huge. That was really, really huge. Being busy, taking him with me, doing everything and, and really pre-preparing for not having him around anymore. I, it, it, that's not going to fix everything, but, um, yeah, having, having other things to love and to take care of, even if you just foster, um, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I I almost lost my mind. But um, I I had luckily just, a, I still have her. She's amazing, Brandy. Um, she picked up the phone and, and was over here in 10 minutes and scooped me up off the floor and you know, told me the right things. I think um, just if you know you're sensitive or you're, fragile and those two things are different if you're sensitive and fragile maybe more important to have that little those few things in your back pocket that you've set up already um support systems education knowledge um i don't know documentaries <laughs> of how people have gone through things and how they you know great stories of them getting through um I try those things I, I i watched a documentary last night about um veterans getting service animals and uh i was sick all weekend so i i don't know i i, I watched loads of documentaries maybe 
I don't know why that I wanted that when I was sick, but yeah. all right, sorry, text message on my computer. It's okay. <laughs> uh, it um, I watched this documentary about these veterans getting service animals. I'm like, fuck yeah, everyone should have a service animal. <laughs> it should be on prescription. But then I'm going, what about when they die? What about I'm like? It's that's a cyclical thing that like yeah it, it's easy to go in those circles right in those spirals. It is. It's so easy, and that's why your podcast is fantastic. Giving people, you know, experiences, different people's experiences. I don't know if I'll touch on anyone, but um, just the community, community. However, even if it's even if it's completely anonymous, even if you just sit there on the sidelines and watch people interact. Maybe that's why I like documentaries. I don't, I'm not great in group. I'm not really great in group. We talked a little bit about this. Yeah. And maybe I need to, to try it more. And maybe it's because I have such a, a public life in Austin. Maybe that's why I find that a little bit difficult to be like in-person group. Um, it's not like I don't trust people. I just feel very exposed. We're supposed to feel exposed, right? But I just feel like double exposed. Um, but yeah, community, however you find that, whether it's on a blog, um, in a group, um, in a chat room, in a, watching a podcast, listening to a podcast, um, just get, you know, get 20 random people's pieces of advice and then whittle it down to what suits you. It's like what I tell my mum to tell my auntie who reposts too much weird shit on Facebook. Mum, tell her to go to Google, not look at the ads, Google just the facts, take the top five articles, look at the three things that they all agree on, boom, there's your truth. Well, I appreciate you sharing your truth. I mean, I appreciate you sharing all of that because, I mean, you're talking about documentaries you allowing us to just document that it's so important to hear people's stories even if they're very hard to listen to and they're heartbreaking like yours it's it's so refreshing to hear that you're able to get through the tough times even as dark as it can be and for you it was so dark and we're all so glad you're here that's the instant reaction for anybody listening to this is i'm glad that deb is here and like you said um you reaching out and you having that friend and knowing what your sensibilities are things that you need to put in place that can help you save your life. And even if you are thinking incorrectly or you're just not there, because that's what suicide and indifference, right? It's so tricky because it convinces, it wants you to do it. It's like a virus. It wants you to die. It tells you that it's okay. It's like, yes, this is the right, yes, you're thinking clearly. You should absolutely do this. You should absolutely go. And that's so you hard know, I, to deal with. Your, uh, your intro to your podcast or what I was seeing on the screen, um, with the stats and the figures and everything. Um, I was just looking at them and I wrote down um, so many of the at-risk symptoms that came up on that, which are facts, right? Seem mundane and are often used flippantly in speech, right? Like people say, I literally wanted to kill myself or like so depressed or you know yeah we throw those things out that when they're actually real and medical or acute or chronic 
that they are belittled because we use them in everyday speech. You're like, oh my God, I'm dying because they're, oh, just, just fucking kill yourself. You're so boring. You know, we, it, it's part of our language. Uh, I fucking do it. I, someone asked me uh, Saturday night or Sunday, how are you feeling? I'm like, I fucking died this weekend. I got COVID and I died. You know, I'm just flippant and being silly or funny about it, but, um, or like, oh my God, I'm so depressed. I'm unemployed. You know, like, well, those two things are correct, but the way I said it negates both of those things. Um, so I think our language sometimes these days is we talk to each other and those two things are just interchangeable, the funny and the serious. And, um, I think there needs to be a moment that oh, needs to be a moment that, that we're blessed if we have, I fucking hate the word blessed, but like journey, I'm going to get up blessed on our journey but we're we're really fucking fortunate if we've got friends that we can actually say oh my god i'm so depressed and they wrote back like oh my god me too but then you can write back no i mean i'm really having a hard time and then they flip the switch and go what the fuck do i need to come around pick up or they just don't even text back they call and that's sort of like the language i have with my friends and not all of them i mean at, no way not all of them um, that's actually another thing that I think has been really good for my mental health in the last few years. And I'm sorry if some of these friends see this, but you won't because you're too shallow. I've got a load of really great, such fun, like baller friends where we go and we do things big and we go to events and we travel to things and we take, you know, these big fun trips and extravagant fun times. Um, but I, they would not be the ones that I called when I was in the fat hallway on the floor because I'm crying about my dog being dead and he's like super fit and healthy and didn't die for three years. Like they would, they're not on speed dial. Um, so figuring out who those friends are, it's not bad to have those fun time friends, but you got to put them in the right box. You got to put them in the right category. And, and then don't forget about those ones that, you know, aren't, always there for like the crazy party moments but they're always there for you nurture those friendships don't forget about them um and especially remember if you are having bouts of depression or anxiety or panic disorders or anxiety and panic disorders maybe not so much because you're not going to be out with those party friends but if you're in depression sometimes it comes with those swings right and we talked about this with you and mm. your health issues you have those swings where you want that craziness and you want that impetuousness and those friends they're there and it's not like they're meaning to take advantage of you, but they love that fun time, Tyler. They love that fun time, Deb. Uh, they love that fun time. You who's ready to go out and be crazy, but they're not the ones that are going to be there when you're sitting at the bottom of the well and you need a fucking hug or someone to come around and sit with you and hold your hand. Yeah. I mean, that's a, re that's a really good advice to give. Like, um, I, I actually have a phrase that I use when it comes to my friends where, um, cause you're talking about, you know, texting back and forth. Like I'm super depressed. I'll be like, look, I'm not good right now. That's a phrase I use. I'm not good right now. I'll check in later. So they, they know I'm just like going through my shit. If I text them that, um, it's just like giving them a heads up, right. Of like, it's like, we don't need to do anything right now. Really dive into it. I'm just letting you know, I'm not good right now. 
we're going to be going through some shit and just like, you know, so if I am joking about something, I'm probably not joking about it. Right. So like it gives that person a heads up um, and everybody's got their thing that they tell to their friends. And it's good advice to like you. You do have to have that person on speed dial, whoever that is, your friend Brandy Godson, Right. Like it's so important to have at least one person like that. And if it's not, we tell folks if they don't have those friends, suicide hotline, uh, emergency yeah. contact hotline, there's always somebody willing to talk. Like you said, even if it's a stranger, you're going to end up falling in love with in some way, form or fashion, you know, have that bond. I've called AA in the middle of the night when I've been low and I talked to some random dude and it was the most awkward fucking conversation, but it got me out of what I was in. Cause I'm like, I call him like, I'm, I'm like, is this uh, AA? And he's like, yeah, what's going on? I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just watching TV. It was just like the most boring. That's so brave. You told us. So brave. I mean, have you ever given yourself credit for that? Like that was, especially knowing now who you spoke to, that's so brave. Well, I think that's a that's a really good thing you bring up because a lot of people do not give themselves credit for um, just getting out of bed every day, which is a hard thing to give yourself a medal medal for, but. It is like so many of us, we talk about this a lot on the show, Deb, as a lot of us start off at 0% where others start off with way more and we start off at zero every fucking day. Um, and so get it when you see those memes online of like, if you did nothing today except get through it, you give yourself a pat on the back. It's corny, right? And it's a little cheesy, but it's, but it's true and it's hard. So no, I didn't give myself credit for that moment. I try and I have tried in my uh, later years to do that. But yeah, that's a difficult thing to do. It is. I'll tell you. I'll tell you another quick story, and I'm gonna have long. Um, but um, through Blue's illness journey, and honestly, it wasn't long. It, it it seems like a fucking lifetime because so much happened of him being completely well, and then tail looked weird, and then there's a bit of a limp, and I was like, oh, I think there's something wrong with his back, and then X-ray, MRI, CT cancer throughout the body and awfulness um and then he had to have an emergency leg amputation so now he's a tripod and he's fucking miserable the doctor was like as soon as you get that leg off that leg's not gonna hurt anymore dogs are like that after they have the thing removed they they bounce back and that is traditionally how it happens but poor blue boy had had two ACL surgeries. The other leg wasn't great. And he just was, he was fucking miserable. And he was walking around outside trying to pee and peeing on himself and grumbling and just was miserable. And I was up every night, all night, just hysterical and having to get up at, you know, 4.45 in the morning for work. And I'm just at my wits end. What do I do with this tripod dog? I fucking went down a Google wormhole and found a tripod support helpline. And it was manned by people who had gone through, uh, or whose dogs had gone through um, having a leg amputated for something, or maybe came to them with an amputation. And um, certainly not dogs that were born with only three legs or whatever, because there's less psychological issue. But it's mostly we have the psychological issue with it. And I knew that. But I called this woman at like one or two in the morning. And again, she was just like, yep, yep, what's up? Because <laughs> uh, she had a million of these calls. But to me, it's like so personal. Uh, and I was like somewhat put off for a second. But 
even though at the end of it, nothing really came of it, I, I just had someone to talk to. And at that moment, I was on the fucking edge and I'd been up crying and drinking and freaking out about the best thing that I'd ever had in my life ever, miserable. And I spoke to this woman who sort of gave me a lot of generic advice that I could have probably read online, but talking to a human, um, I didn't know. It, it, it did something. It made me go to bed and pick him up and put him in bed with me and cuddle with him and go to sleep for a few hours that night. Um, it wasn't brilliant, but it was better than the freaking out at the wall. Um, so, yeah, if you don't have anybody um, that you can talk to in your life, there is a, there is a hotline and there are people that care. They're, they're answering these phones because they've gone through it or somebody they really love has gone through it. You don't, these, these lines aren't answered by people who are being paid. They're, these right. are people who are connected to the issue that you're calling about. That says a lot. Even if they're grump, they sound grumpy or you can't relate to them. You can because of this one thing. That's yeah. why they're there. It kind of like snaps you out uh, uh, of the situation of your mindset, right? Because to you, your whole world is ending. But it's also that yeah. sobering moment of like the world's still spinning for everybody else. But that person is taking their time. And, you know, it's it's like a lot when they, they have guys that are trying to talk down people from committing suicide, right? They come up and they're very calm and nonchalant about, yo, what are we doing? Why, what's going on, man? How are we feeling today, you know? Like, what's going on? Um, so it's funny and sad and frustrating when that is the response that you got of like, hey, yeah, this is us, what's up? <laughs> like, and you're just like, you're like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like, tell me what's going on. What do you mean what's going on? It's the end of the world. They're fucking saints. Like they're corporate CEOs making two billion dollars a year, and these these people are volunteering. Well, you know, Deb, I gotta before we get you out of here, I do have to bring this full circle, and I gotta turn it back on you for a second, because um, I want our viewers to know this. Um, one of my all-time favorite things that you did, your best—I think it was your best bit on radio, because—and I think with what we're talking about tonight, um, it's very relevant. Um, you used to do a segment basically it was kind of a prank phone call but not really it wasn't a prank but you would call basically and I know I'm probably doing a bad job of explaining this but to paraphrase for our, our, our viewers and listeners Deb would do a segment on the radio where you would call like a you know random business from around the country and it was kind of you talking to them about like setting up an appointment or a service or just like bullshitting and then at the very end of the call, when you were saying bye to each other, you would say what, Deb? Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Love you. <laughs> and sometimes, and it was hilarious because uh, so many times people like would not say it back to you or they'd be like, what the fuck? Like, why is this random stranger saying it? But the best calls that I loved that made me feel really good is when this random stranger who was talking to a random stranger and you would say, I love you back. Yeah, that was, that was the goal. It was never a prank. And obviously a lot of stupid radio shows do prank calls, which I fucking hate. Jubal, you're the worst. Yes, I name shaked you. Grow up. Um, so fake also. Don't even look that up. I shouldn't even said the name. Like, don't, doesn't even warrant a Google because you'll just hate yourself. But, um, 
I I'd been broken up with, I think, by like pretty significant loved one. And I was like, this is bullshit, man. Like, I'm not going to hear I love you from someone for a while. I was like, let, you know, let's just try and spread some love and maybe get some back from a stranger. Um, in England, I don't, if you remember, there's a great scene in Shaun of the Dead where uh, Shaun's girlfriend leaves a message on the answering machine. How old are we? that says, hi, Sean, hope, hope you remembered to make our anniversary dinner um, arrangements at the restaurant. I'll be home at seven. Okay, love you, bye, love you, bye, bye, bye. Love you, bye, bye, bye. That's how it ends up a lot of British families. Like me and my mum, love you, bye. Especially on FaceTime, it's really awkward. Bye, 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 love you, bye, bye. We just, it's the weirdest thing. We just say it a lot, but we always say love you, bye, love you, bye. So um, I just thought, you say it so naturally in conversation. I bet I could just like slip it in there and someone will say it back, right? You know, like when the flight attendant says, have a nice flight and you're like, you too. <laughs> yeah, here. I love those. Those are the best. Right? I'm an idiot. Enjoy your meal. You too. So people, we do it all the time. So I just thought, why not? And yes, it works. And then it, doesn't and then it goes horribly and then sometimes it goes horribly and then it works so yeah it was a really great experiment and uh, that segment isn't dead tyler if anyone else tries to do it i will kill them and then sue them but um i think this is something that my um producer on the Debra Keith podcast uh, colton his name is he's the fucking bum um i think we're going to try and start working this out where we do something like that for the podcast, do some extra special little um, just fun segments on the show. Yes, that's not, that, don't even talk about it. You better be about it. I want you to do that segment again. The people need it. And I mean, we've been talking this whole time, Deb, about those little things from a stranger. And I have to imagine for a lot of those people, maybe even some of them reach back out. Did that ever happen? Because these people, you know, yes. going about their day and they're like, they go home to talk to their wife, you know, some lady told me she loved me on the phone today. I had a great day. So, oh my God. Our old producer, Alex, uh, when he was in charge of finding the phone numbers for the I Love You calls, well, we used to do them in Austin and then I can't really talk about details because somebody got upset, but we called. He said, I don't know you. I'm not saying I love you. And then we were like, oh, okay. And so when the phone hangs up, everybody laughs, but they laugh at me because I didn't get the I love you right. And that's the whole point. Um, but this was something that was played in Austin and we called an Austin business and this guy who we called got upset, thought it was a prank, called our management. We had to send them Tiff's treats. It was a whole thing. Um, so then our boss, he banned us from doing it for a while. What up Chase? Love you. Um, but then after a while they were like, all right, just don't do it in Austin. All right, just do it out of town. So we did that and we would go town to town sometimes, but Alex, our old producer, I, don't, I can't remember the impetus, but it was funny. We came across this town called Framington in, I think it was Illinois. And some, we had called Alex the Earl of Framington. I don't even understand where this all came from, but it became a huge thing. Um, so we just started calling businesses in this one town. Like Every day it'd be a new business in Framington. And then eventually I called a car dealership and did the whole thing. Hey, what time are you open tills? Kind of thinking about a four-door sedan. Yeah, okay. Yeah, my name's Lisa. That was always the name. Um, 
you know, I think I'll come in. What's your name, Derek? All right, Derek, I'll, I'll, uh, I think I'll come by next week. All right, thanks, love you. And and this one guy, guy was like, I think you called my brother-in-law. He told me about some English lady telling him I love you. I was like, oh my God, yeah, that was me. Love you, love you, bye. And I got the I love you. So anyway, that was like, we burned that town. Uh, couldn't call back again. But yeah, there was a few times things like that happened and it was pretty magical. That it was like, wait, you guys all put this together or somebody heard and found it online. And it was a really beautiful thing. It was, yeah, you're right. Probably one of the best things we did on the show. And I'm glad you're going to continue doing it. I mean, people, people want that stuff. I mean, people need that too. I mean, I can't even imagine like what it's, yeah, it feels so good. Cause even if you're telling that story, like some weirdo, you're like, it's not a negative ending to the story. You're like, yeah, it's kind of nice. <laughs> like, that's great. Yeah. Some weird chick told me she loved me. I was like, flick. And cause it's the unfortunate reality is that so many people have probably not heard that before, or at least genuinely. And like, it was genuine with you and that's what we need more of. And what we've been talking about today, um, which is why I wanted to end with that, because we have we, we have a a glaring need for that. Uh, people reaching out to let you know that I'm thinking about you, even if it's not a big deal of like, hey, I'm thinking about you. Hey, I love you. Hey, I hope you're doing good. You know, that can change lives. It saves lives. So um, I, I'm so appreciative. And so is the rest of the world for you making that bit, being who you are. Um, and I'm so glad that you're going to bring that back. I didn't know that. I, I had no idea coming in that that was even going to be a thing. And now I'm like over the moon excited. Like, I can't wait. Oh, I know. I'm so glad you love it. And um, yeah, to all you listeners, to all you viewers, love you. Spread the love. Share the love. Tell a random person, love you at the end of a phone call. It'll make their day. Yeah. And I mean, that's why I put that up here today, Deb. I had that just prepped ready for us because I knew we were going to do it. <laughs> um well, hey, I appreciate you being on the show tonight. Uh, thank you so much for sharing uh, your story and your advice. All of it is so unbelievably helpful. It makes people feel connected. I definitely feel more connected to you. Um, and you're Thank doing... you. I appreciate that. If we that. do this again, I need your um, lighting, hair, and makeup guy because you look so pretty compared to me. Just <laughs> I don't have any makeup. It's just it's all the lights. That's it. I was it. cleaning my carpet before you called me. I was cleaning. <laughs> Deb, you look great. Um, it, it's good to see you laughing and smiling. I hope you have a good holidays. I don't know if you're doing anything for Thanksgiving. Um, or if you, like, do you do anything for Thanksgiving? Do you, like, hang out? Yeah, I go. I, I have friends. But it's Friendsgiving slash family Friendsgiving. So, okay. yeah, it's amazing every year. I'm so excited for it. I love it. I love getting together with everyone. That's good. Well, I wish you guys the best. Um, we'll have to have you back on the show sometime in the future. You're always welcome. I'm seeing my chat right now. They absolutely love you. All of them are saying, we love you, Deb. So, uh, oh, love you guys. Love you, Ty. <laughs> love you, Co. I should say. Love you, Co. Thank you, Deb. I appreciate it. I love you, too. And we'll talk to you sometime soon, okay? Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, ma'am. We'll see you. Bye. Deb's awesome, guys. Is she not? <laughs> Deb is absolutely the best. Um, I know our connection was a little rough right there, but I appreciate you guys uh, sticking with us. And man, I mean, it's just, I kind of told you guys at the beginning of the show, like she has been through a lot 
and but has come out with it with a perspective that not a lot of other people do and paying it forward and telling other people about that is so important and that's why we get these stories on the show um and it, it's just fun to do that. I got I got to be honest. Like, even when I did the show the, the first time and then tonight, it's like I'm fanboying. I'm like, I'm talking with Deb O'Keefe. Are you fucking kidding me? That's insanity. Um, but thank you again, Deb, for coming on to the show. And RIP Blue, he was the best of boys. Um, and thank you for Alfie uh, for appearing on the show and barking at that ambulance. I, I think despite the fact of everything we've done on the show and all our guests, that might have been the best moment we've ever done. That was probably it. That was peak. How are we today? I hope somebody clipped that uh, because we're just going to keep that up on the channel. So somebody go clip that from the episode. We're going to keep that up forever. Um, and in the spirit of everything that we were talking about on the show, I know we haven't done this in a little bit, but you guys have homework. Everything we talked about tonight, we weren't just saying it. I want you to do it because it's the holidays. I want you to like we've been talking about, reach out to somebody tomorrow. I'm going to give you guys the night. It's a Monday night. You know, we're all tired. I get it. Text somebody tomorrow and just tell them this. Hey, no need to respond. Just want to let you know I'm thinking about you. Love you. You don't even have to say I love you, which is more personal. Just say I love you. That's all I want you to do. Hey, reaching out. No need to respond. You don't have to do anything. Make sure it doesn't put anything on their plate. Just letting you know I'm thinking about you. I want all of you guys to do that for a loved one in your life, somebody you haven't talked to in a while, a new acquaintance, somebody you think that needs to hear that because these are the tough months that we get to get people through. We need more love. We need more people talking to each other. So that is going to be your homework for tonight. And that's going to be our show for tonight. So thanks again to Deb for joining us. Uh, please go watch her new podcast. It's, it's awesome. Uh, she has so many cool, interesting guests, minus me. I'm bottom of the barrel on that show. Uh, but it's a really fun show. She does a great job with it. Um, so go check it out. It is just simply the Deb O'Keefe podcast. I'll be sure to include all of her links uh, in the description for YouTube and Spotify. And that's pretty much going to be it. Wherever you guys are in the world right now, if you're in the States, if you're an American doing Thanksgiving, please be safe out on the road. And while you're traveling, I hope you can manage uh, your situations. If they're not good ones, I really do. Uh, take uh, Deb's advice, manage those expectations going in to whatever situation that is. If you know it's going to bother you, just know like, hey, got to put on my pads because this is going to be a little rocky. I know I'm going to get hit. It's going to be okay. Uh, and I'll check in with you guys next week. I don't know if we're going to be able to do a show next week. Everybody's still, you know, busy and traveling, uh, but we'll get back into the swing of things. As always, love you guys. You're the best. I'll see you next time.